he's doing well. Welcome to the day, another day to be a greater version of ourselves. We've been talking a lot about this concept of positivity, especially in terms of how we frame ourselves, how we begin our days, how we begin sort of striving towards more. It's really critical that we understand that to the extent in which what we're striving for is to remove pain or to get something through a negative. There is a shelf life to that. There's a shelf life when we are action or results oriented to remove something. People that create movements around what they're not usually end up imploding. You see this around even the country today. Movements built on what people, what other people are not. There are, there's plenty of rhetoric of what we don't stand for. And that works in moments of extremism. But long-term, self, individuals, families, movements, nations, that you can never exist on what you're not. You can never exist on trying to not be like X. Same thing with us. We, we don't have any long-term viability if we are trying to achieve a goal that is taking something from us. We have to shift it and create a positive identity and then use the challenges that are in front of us to shape our identity because that's how you shape your identity. If you want to be a great parent, you, you develop the muscles of your greatness through the challenge of your children. Now the negativity, if you will, the, the moments of challenge aren't keeping you from something. You've defined great parentage being kind and accepting and whatever. Now those challenges are actually the pathway to a positive image of yourself. And that's critical. And in this world of positivity, in this world of positive images, there is some individual who I want to speak to. Yesterday was a big day for my family. I lost my grandmother yesterday. My grandmother, she should live in, she should rest in peace, live a long, wonderful life. Doesn't make it any easier when she goes. The loss of life is always tragic, even if it comes after many years. And when you, when you lose somebody that you love, especially I find, I don't know how, how you feel, I find when you lose somebody that got older in life, you've watched them through multiple stages. You had them when you were little, and then you watched them as you got older, they got older. And when, as they got older, their role changed. What's interesting for me is that when my grandmother passed away, I immediately went back to the grandmother that I, that she was when I was younger. I don't know if that happens to you or not. I want to talk about my grandmother because as I think through this idea of positivity, in many ways, she was the paradigm of that. You know, we are, we are losing 
a generation of superstars. The Holocaust survivors that are getting older, for those that are alive, should live and be well, are not just another generation. And even those that weren't in the Holocaust, that generation of individual, they're, they're, they're cut from a different cloth. They come from a different, they were, they, were, they were created through challenge. The Talmud speaks about a diamond cutter. I think it was diamonds that would put his diamonds through the, the fire or the metals of the fire to, to, to sharpen, to sharpen the, or to clean so that it would be more perfect. In many ways, those that came out of the Holocaust, the horrors of the Holocaust, if you emerged from that, you were a different human being. You stood for something that other people didn't stand for. You couldn't. People couldn't stand for what you stood for. They, they didn't have it. And everybody came out very differently. My grandmother came out and she had this perspective that was so incredibly positive. Her line to us was, whatever you do, just be happy. And in the beginning, I thought it was just like, you know, the way grandmas just want their kids to be happy. But as I got older, I started to understand that it wasn't just her way of saying, just be happy. It was her outlook on life. Challenge could break you. And what she went through is, was unthinkable. She grew up in a small town outside on, in, the, in the district of Romania called Rosalvia. Her father was the town rabbi. She lived in a small little hut with many brothers and sisters. There was no heat, so they would sleep on top of the stove. They had, I guess, some kind of covering, a cement something. The town mikvah was in her house. The town school was in her house. When she was little, she would listen to her father give classes to the boys. And she would whisper the answers to the boys because she was smarter than them. And she knew the answers and they didn't. So she was faking to sleep. And just a little over, they were studying at the feet of her father early in the morning and she was pretending to be sleeping. And she would whisper the answers. And the Nazis came. And they grabbed, they dragged her father to the town square. And in order to mock the Jews, they ripped out the the, the, beard, the hairs in his beard. You can imagine a daughter watching her father going through that. Then came Auschwitz and near death. Her miraculous recovery and her survival. When you go through a life like that before you're 20, how does it not harden you? How does, he, how does an individual manage to live a life with the expression on her lips of just be happy when the beginning of her life was anything but? She didn't have a hard time. She didn't not get into the college of her dreams. Her team didn't lose in the NCAA tournament. Her family died. Her parents, her 
her brothers and sisters, her way of life. She ended up with nothing. She stayed at a cousin's home when she came to America for years. She worked as a seamstress. She had to, she and her husband, my grandfather, raised three phenomenal w girls. How does a human being not, we're not talking about a story in the Talmud. I'm not talking about some massive rabbi or, or Rebetzin or individual from the 1600s in which we sing songs. I'm talking about my grandmother. I'm talking about a regular lady that nobody knows about. How does a person open with that much destruction and end with a life whose mantra to her grandkids are, whatever you do, just be happy. So one time we were together in our home in Delray Beach, Florida. And it was early in the morning in my family. We had visited her and everyone was still sleeping, but I was up early. And my grandparents, as you can imagine, were up early. And the three of us were having breakfast. Small little house, ranch, on some random cul-de-sac in the retirement capital of the world, Delray Beach, Florida. And my grandmother turns to me and goes, Charlie, can you explain something to me? I said, sure, Bobby, what? She said, why aren't people happy? I said, what do you mean? She goes, people aren't happy. When I grew up, we didn't have a bathroom in the house. We made our own clothes. We lived in one room. I didn't have anything growing up, anything. And I don't remember much of that life before the war but I remember we were happy. I remember we were happy. We were, we just lived a happier life. How is it that I look around the world today and we have everything. I mean, there are things that we have that I wouldn't even have known to dream of like I wouldn't even have been able to contemplate dreaming of. Like I don't dream about moving to Mars. I wouldn't even know how to dream of that. I wouldn't even know how to dream of having my own spaceship. I don't know. Maybe in my lifetime, I'll be able to like get out of my car and get into my spaceship and fly. I don't know. I don't even dream of having my own spaceship. My grandmother didn't even dream of the life that she was living. And she turned to me with the, with the most curious, non-judgmental, confused question. What in the world is going on? How are people not bouncing down the streets? How are people not waking up every morning And floating through their days. How is something as insignificant as half the things that drag us down even able to get into our consciousness? 
And I turned to her and I said, I have no idea. I have no idea. And that question that she asked me has stuck with me for so long. You see, we live in a life, we, we live in a world where I believe we are being sold this notion that happiness comes at the end of our goals. That when we achieve a goal, what we feel after achieving the goal is happiness. It comes, I believe, from this, this, this like a piece of this need of significance. But significance is not a sense of life satisfaction. It's deeper than that. I think we live in a world where we are all so in pursuit of something that we believe that the reason why I am unhappy is because I don't have the thing that I want. And when I get the thing that I want, then I'm going to achieve or feel the happiness that I'm going, that I'm waiting for. This is why I believe so many people are on medication for it. This is why I believe so many people that are at the tippy top of society are having such a hard time. This is why I believe you see people that have spent a life amassing fortunes as they hit a certain point, they spend the rest of it giving it away. It's because the equation of I am going to achieve happiness after I hit my goals is just simply not true. Yeah, I think it's consumption. You see, in order for we're not going to do this economic lesson, but maybe I'll to, I'll toy with it, and maybe we'll do it another time. But those who care about macroeconomics, you know, believe it or not, I got this theory from a rabbi. There's a rabbi named Rabbi Moshe Shapiro, one of the foremost educators in the past hundred years, and I get his his talks, and they're so incredibly and they're so incredibly deep. And he speaks about this. Maybe we'll have the time just to delve into this alone. He actually, he, he, he explains a theory that you would think it's coming out of an economist in Harvard, not a rabbi in Jerusalem. He speaks about how an economy that is based off consumption allows expansion, never-ending expansion, right? If the economy would, was based off what is needed, at some point, needs are satisfied, at some point you have enough to eat. At some point you have enough to live in. At some point the economy will grind to a halt because there's only so much you can consume for need. But if you're consuming just to consume, then it's, 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 it's infinite. So if I'm going to consume based on what I actually need, at some point it's gonna to come to an end. But if I'm gonna consume in order to satisfy an emotional need, I'm not saying anybody thought of this. I'm not saying anybody's smart enough to think of this. I'm just saying this is probably what, I think this is where we are. 
that the pursuit of happiness, not the way I don't believe Jefferson intended, is really just a pursuit, as Stuart just mentioned. As we consume to be happy, if we don't ever become happy because consumption doesn't leave us to happiness, we'll never stop consuming. Because consumption isn't based on an actual need. It's based on a perceived emotional need. And so it'll never stop. What my grandmother was trying to teach me and what she stood for in her life and after her life, because people like that, even though their bodies stop, they don't die. They live in their children and their grandchildren, everybody around them. She taught me that never wait for happiness. Never think that happiness is coming tomorrow when you're done. Whatever you're doing in life, do it with happiness. Whatever you're doing in your days, you need to bring happiness in. You have to work. So whatever it is that you're engaged in, you are engaged in it in a happy way. You are engaged in it in a way that brings joy. Everyone took something different out of the Holocaust. I I believe my grandmother took out of the Holocaust that there is no tomorrow. There's no tomorrow. You don't wait to live. Incredible quote that Iliran just posted. Enthusiasm is worth 25 IQ points. Wow. We're going to talk about happiness. We're going to have to talk about happiness because that's where we're up to. The positivity of goal setting can't exist if we think that when I hit my goals, I'll be happy. If we start, if we start to assume the reason why I am unhappy is because I haven't hit something, and then we create goals, and and in the back of our mind say, when I achieve this goal, when I become this person, even if even if I'm doing it the right way even if I'm doing it in the way that is positive, if I achieve this goal, then I'm going to find the happiness that I'm looking for. If we think that, we're out. The the power that we have with us is happiness. It's not what we get at the end. It's who we are along the way. That's what what my Bobby taught me. That's how she lived her life. That's who she was. It was happiness along the way. Whether she was overstuffing us, which she tended to do brilliantly. Whether she was packing us something for camp, whether she was sending us our way. Whatever she was. Wherever she was. Even when she was at the end of her life, She always figured out a way to drive home the lesson of as long as you're happy, remember, always be happy. Always be happy isn't my grandmother's line. It comes from a great rabbi named Rabbi Rabbi Nachman, Rabbi Rabbi Nachman Breslov. There's a command to always be happy. We're going to talk about this and I'll tell you why, because this is a very sad Jewish week. We got to delve into this world of happiness and tragedy 
and challenge. We got to rip it apart because if it's all into one bundle, we walk around, we walk around without the mentality that we need to be successful. We'll talk about this. In memory of my grandma, in memory of my Bobby, the woman who taught it to me. With God's help, we'll talk about it together. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks so much for being here. With God's help, I look forward to doing it again tomorrow and then again and again until we can get to it together. With God's help, I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow on The Daily Boost.